from your local Houston BMW Center Studios, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth. And I am Brother Larry Jones, and it's good to be with you, KG. You're looking well today, sir. Well, thank you so much. So are you, Doc. Um, people are people are in the house. People are a little, a little stir-crazy, yes. and, and I think that um, <clears throat> people need to hear a word. Absolutely. I think people's um, faith, I don't think people are losing faith, but there's nothing wrong with some affirmation. And a word from the pastor, pastors, men and women of God who can settle us all down. Because we all know someone now who has this virus. Yeah. And we're kind of we're kind of scared, honestly. Yeah. And, you know, I, I my faith is as strong as it's ever been. But I, I cannot sit here today and tell you that I have been, I, I'm, I'm a little nervous for my brothers and sisters. So today hopefully. we will renew our faith as, yeah. as the show moves on. And hopefully this young lady, she, well, there's no hopefully, she will uh, bring us some, some, some great word. She is uh, a leader and leading voice around uh, the world in, in the faith-based community. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dr. Cindy Trim yes. to the Public Affairs Podcast. Good morning. Yes. Yes, good morning. And we're praying that everyone is doing well today. God bless you. God bless your family. And God bless America and all of the world. Indeed. Um, when it comes to this COVID-19 and, and, and how we, you know, as a society, as a world, um, are dealing and, and coping, how can we cope beyond uh, prayer? What, what do you suggest with that? Well, I want to really build a, a case for our faith and hope, faith in knowing that within our global collective and in the midst of the most challenging moments, there always has arisen great innovators and dreamers and imagineers who push humanity forward with either novel ideas or scientific breakthroughs or life-saving innovations. And it usually happens in the middle of either a community crisis, a global crisis, or a national crisis. And this is a global crisis. And when you look back in history, you can see the invention of penicillin or chemotherapy we are able to look back in history and see how human potential finds its fullest expression in the midst of history's darkest hours. And so this is our time and we're facing the pandemic. We've reached this cultural point of inflection that has been prompted by the virus. But when you look back in history, you can see other cultural points of inflection that has been um, prompted by disaster, wars, plagues, diseases, hurricanes. But it usually brings us to a point of revolutionary discoveries and inventions. And we go on to strengthen humanity for generations to come. And I believe that this is such a crisis that is really going to push humanity forward. Dr. Trim, you, you, you touched on a, a couple of great things. We've, we've come through my era, being a child of the civil rights era, we survived that. Uh, most recently here in Houston, we've survived one of the most deadliest uh, hurricanes and floods ever with Harvey. And your words are true. We, we, we become innovators and creators and, and, and discover ways of, of moving forward. 
But for those of uh, our listeners on the podcast this morning who maybe don't have that security, what do you say to them? Um, Well, when you look at the virus, um, it's a communicable disease. And that means that it challenges us as a community. And um, we are all sustained um, by our communities. And this virus is sustained from person to person. And um, it's, it's just almost like an uncontrollable wildfire. So my question was, what should our faith-based response be? And when I talk about faith, I'm not necessarily talking about religion, because anybody that believes in anything has faith. And so the first thing that we can do is to use uh, technology to create cultures of awareness and empowerment. Um, And we're doing a great job at that. We've all told everyone to just follow the procedures and protocols that have been outlined by the CDC and the World Health Organization, because information is powerful. And we can continue to educate and inform so that we can mitigate the fear and and help people to engage in things such as self-care and other health protocols. So I have a campaign, and that campaign is be aware but don't fear. We should keep our immune system healthy, get the proper rest, the adequate, um, you know, diet as much as we possibly can, add vitamins and minerals and antioxidants. And I'll give examples, um, selenium, zinc. Um, I'm using elderberry, sea moss. This, you know, will boost the immune system, of course, vitamin C. Hydrate, you know, um, eat plant eat a plant-based diet, vegetables, fruits, nuts, seeds, whole grains, you know, and um, de-stress, do whatever you can to de-stress, dance, sing, uh, be entertained, entertain yourself. And then, you know, there's the non-pharmaceutical interventions, you know, where we uh, wash our hands frequently um, and keep the environment clean and then there's the social distancing that we observe. Um, there's a couple of other things I want to recommend, um, and that's uh, create protocols that will make us biotech savvy. And, you know, we're quantum leaping at a very, very fast rate and, you know, feeling comfortable with the kinds of technological advancements that we have. And we can use things like telehealth and telemedicine. And people that are in the medical profession, I believe that we understand that AI is here to stay. So things like concierge medicine is going to be on the uprise. And the medical doctors that um, I have a relationship with, these are the things that I'm recommending. And then since we're home, rethink. We can uh, do... Uh, four things, reframe, and that's when you look at your re- reality and you reframe it because we're the sum total of the stories we tell ourselves. And anytime we get ready, we can scream out plot shift. You know, we can change the plot with just intentions and visions. And I wrote a book 
called Goodbye Yesterday, and it's a sequel to Hello Tomorrow. And I'm recommending that people buy both books. Hello Tomorrow will give you a way to reframe your life and reclaim your personal power by writing a vision for your future. And we are neither product of our circumstances, um, neither are we victims of our circumstances. We create our own circumstance. So we could take our personal power back by re-engineering our personal brand, um, building capacity for the new because the world will never be like it, it was. And so that means that we have to learn new skills. Those individuals that are not comfortable with technology, this is a great time to get on YouTube and use social media for more than entertainment. Use it for education. Indeed. Uh, Dr. Trim, with, you know, everything is it's closed down. You know, I, I think the NBA kind of led the way in the sports world with that, you know, uh, major events, concerts, conferences, schools, all of that is closed. One place that is not closed unanimously uh, is the church. So much so that you had uh, Pastor Rodney Howard Brown uh, in Florida, a mega church pastor who was arrested for breaching the COVID-19 health order. So, uh, and, and, and from what I understand, like it, it ended up about 30 people or so tested positive, um, from going to that particular service. So when is it that we say, okay, let's use our common sense. This, the church house is nothing but a building is four walls. You know, God is where we are. When are they going to, what do you say to people uh, who still want to go to church and for pastors who want, to, who, who continue to um, go against the order when it's against safety yeah, rules. Yeah. I think that was um, sad because he didn't break a law. So <laughs> it wasn't a law that he broke. And I want to bring that to the forefront. It was a policy that was established. And uh, for me personally, uh, I don't think that he should have been put in jail because he didn't break a law. Um, that's number one. Number two, I think there are ways that we can get around that. Um, number one, we have an opportunity to rethink our communication and delivery system. Um, when there's a temporary moratorium that's placed on, you know, social or community gatherings. So we need to take a look at multimedia platforms. We're moving into virtual and augmented reality. So this is a great opportunity for millennials that are a part of any uh, gathering or any church or any faith-based gathering to really begin to press into the whole idea of bringing our places of worship to um, utilizing virtual and augmented reality, and then building e-church platforms. This is a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing is to encourage churches, as well as their members, to get involved with problem-solving or crisis management discussions. I've discovered that whenever there are things that are over our heads, uh, they are under God's feet. And um, it's retraining our parishioners to think of themselves as industry-specific problem solvers. The other thing that we can do is pray. pray. Prayer is not only a spiritual weapon, but it's also a practical weapon. So in an age of technology, faith is still a spiritual technology. It has long-term 
spiritual, economic implications. So we need to raise our level of faith to believe that those that are on the front line, our government, and those that are working tirelessly to find a vaccine, that uh, we can actually recover and we can actually cure this. And in the midst, if we can, there's still miracles. And so and then to we that need point, to pray. so Dr. Trim, mm-hmm. to, that, to that point, to that very absolute point, uh, respectfully, mm-hmm. if I can just push back a little on, on Pastor Howard Brown, even though it wasn't a law and uh, you feel as if he shouldn't have got arrested, it was an order that was in place because he was putting other people's lives in danger. When we don't have the adequate amount of testing, and here you are, holding uh, a gathering with large amount of people and for the elderly who may be susceptible to it. I mean, just how the whole cycle is of how this virus uh, spreads. I I think that that was grossly uh, irresponsible. And even though it was not a law, it was indeed an order put in place to follow, to keep your very own congregation safe. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm in agreement with your statement Um, We do have to practice responsibility, and I'll give you an example. Um, I was on the last flight from out of Nigeria, and um, then, you know, of course, the airlines shut um, all flights from out of Nigeria. There's no flights that were going out. I was on the last flight, and so we we were jam-packed on that airplane, And uh, I did the responsible thing. I self-quarantined. I don't have any any, um, symptoms whatsoever, but I made the decision and took the decision to follow the protocols and self-quarantine for 14 days. And um, that meant, meant that I was away from my family. I'm a newlywed, I'm away from my husband, but I, I was responsible enough to know that I have uh, to observe the recommended procedures and protocols, not only as a leader, but as someone that is is, is um, that loves my family and is concerned by my family. And so this is an opportunity to say to people that it's time for you to take your personal power back, that you can make decisions. But as leaders, we do have uh, a responsibility. My position to say that I don't think he should be thrown in jail, it does not take away the responsibility of leadership. They're, they're, those are two different conversations here. I think that we all are responsible to observe the protocols that have been put into place. I know I'm observing it. I'm away from my family because I was um, exposed. Uh, we were not uh, six feet away from one another, we were sitting on top of one another. And I knew that I had to be responsible. So I'm definitely encouraging, like I said earlier, uh, for each one of us to be responsible, uh, to follow the medical advice, the health protocols that are outlined by the CDC, the World Health Organization, as well as our government. 
So I'm in, in, in agreement with you. Dr. Cindy Trim on the podcast today. Dr. Trim, you, you said things about technology that flooded my mind to say we, we, we have become the Jetsons immediately. <laughs> we, we are now yes, there. We are. we are in that yes, zone, and it's amazing. Uh, but I would like you for our audience again to give us the title of your books before we uh, run out of time on this segment. Absolutely. The first book that I would recommend is Hello Tomorrow, and Chapter 8 outlines how to write a vision for your life. And, it, you know, it works with the power of intention and it helps us to stay focused. And then number two, goodbye yesterday. And this is being able to take faith and press into your future and give yourself permission to grow and to reinvent yourself. I mean, this is the greatest, greatest time to reinvent yourself. And for those who are a little nervous, take it from two gentlemen who've come through a couple of unique highs and lows in life. Uh, you get through it. You get through it. You keep your, 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 your God, whomever she or he is to you, you keep them in front and you will get through this. Dr. Trim, I, I, I express along with KG the utmost respect for you and your, your, your words, enlightenment and your knowledge and being a former policy writer as a senator. Yeah, as a senator. Yeah. You you, yeah. you 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 know the ins and outs of of, of moving things in the government. So uh your it, your information you leave us with a positive word? Yeah. Maybe on on a, on a good word? Yeah, it, it's it's a, it's 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 tough when you're in the middle of a crisis because you know government officials are people too. So they have their own fears. And one of the things that we can do we can pray, and prayer is uh, it changes things, but it not only changes things, it changes people. So I'm definitely um, encouraging people to pray. I was just looking at statistics, 71% of United States of America's citizens, they uh, self-identify as Christians. And so that's a lot of prayer power. Mm -hmm. And um, even though um, 30 something percent uh, are, are, uh, are churchgoers, uh, but yet that's a large number of people. And what does not destroy us makes us stronger. Mm -hmm. So I want to encourage everyone. We came through the measles, the mumps, the Russian flu, tuberculosis, cholera. Uh, Asian flu, bird flu, Spanish flu, age, HIV, Ebola. We're going to come through this, and we're going to overcome with great wisdom, compassion, and resilience. Those things didn't wipe us out, neither will this. Dr. Cindy Trim, thank you for your time on the podcast today. We really appreciate you, and may God continue to bless you and use you. Yes, thank you so much for having me. And once again, um, my prayers are being sent to those that are struggling, those that have been diagnosed, and those that are on the front line, those that are leading the doctors, the nurses. I pray for their health as well. God bless you. God bless your family. And God bless America and the world. Thank you. The Public Affairs Podcast continues right after this. From your local Houston BMW Center Studios, welcome back to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm KG Smooth. And Brother Larry Jones, it's good to be with you today, KG. We, we, you as well, Unc. Doing well. Yeah. And guys, please remember, wash your hands, sanitize, 
That's right. COVID-19 is real. It, it really is real. It and really I mean, every time you get back in the house, you wash those hands and if need be, take a shower. Okay. <laughs> For real. All right. <laughs> we have a market icon on, on the line. One of our favorite ladies, I tell you, you ever get to Houston, you got to find Miss <laughs> Diva Daughtry. She's got it going on. Oh. <laughs> What's going on, Diva? Oh, wow. And look, I'm easy to find, Brother Larry. KG, good to hear you on the air today. Uh, happy Sunday to everyone. Yes, indeed. And, yeah, um, it's a lot going on. It's, <laughs> it's a lot going on. But, and so how you know, are you holding up? You know what? Uh, we are people of hope. Mm-hmm. We are a people of hope and expectation for the best. So I'm, I'm grounded in that place right there mm-hmm. as I do what I'm called to do. And that's um, this care for our community, yeah. support our community, empower our community yeah. in whatever form uh, that is at the time and the season where it's needed. So and so you- COVID. Is where we are. <laughs> so since this podcast is global, um, tell the world about the Texas Women's Empowerment Foundation. Sure. Uh, Texas Women Empowerment Foundation, TWES. Uh, I found it back, oh, wow, 18 years now. Oh. About 18, <laughs> Larry, you remember. It, yes, ma'am. We were you right were there with there. you. Yeah. <laughs> You've been there 18, yeah, it's been 18 years. I have some pictures I have to send to you. But it's a, a nonprofit um, that was geared to help families and communities. And, and uh, started out empowering women. And, of course, you know, the women uh, have children that had needs. And so we branched out into uh, our youth component. And then from there, we went uh, to family component. Uh, and what we do is we host various seminars and uh, programs through our uh, empowerment ETI training uh, institute institution, and um, we are located in Houston, Texas. We uh, have the Empowerment Community Center, which I built maybe back in '06. Mm-hmm. It sits on eight acres, and we have a full form and garden, urban garden, where we teach young people how to garden and grow uh, their food, which is so needed right now, and uh, then turn them into entrepreneurs. And so TWF, I mean, we have hosted an array of programs throughout the 18 years, but the great thing, uh, Larry and KG, is that we have been the organization that has been able to reinvent ourselves to meet the need of the people, whether it was Hurricane Harvey, we was able to come step up and put together our children's program who was dealing with the devastation and the trauma of Hurricane Harvey. We was able to meet the need. And now uh, we in another crisis. And so TWF is able to stand up again and meet the need. And so that's, that's what, who, who, what we do. Um, just have a lot of great partners all over the world, and I'm glad this is a global program because we have um, regional directors in uh, Africa, South Africa. We have regional directors in the Bahamas, uh, Florida, uh, uh, L.A., all of, Nebraska, all over. 
And so uh, this gives us the opportunity to, you know, make sure that we're making a, a global impact. Wow, I did not know that. I'm sitting here, my face is in, I was looking at Unc like, what? Let me share this with you. The late Dr. Miles Monroe, I first met through Diva's program, and uh, he, he played an instrumental part in her. And I, I wanted to kind of shift Diva just for one second, because as people learn about how you're building and you said, reinventing yourself and and reorganizing to meet the new needs of the community. Could you talk about the powerful impact that your parents and moreover your mom played? Because I she was a beautiful spirit when I had a chance to meet her and I'd just like you to share that love on the on the show today. Sure. And and you're you're speaking of my grandmother. Your grandmother yes, and uh-huh. my grand my granny and which is, you know, the whole reason why we're gonna be talking about what we're gonna talk about campaign a little later which is so important. Um, but I was raised by um, my grandmother. And uh, my grandmother was the church treasurer for 60 years. So it was my grandmother who instilled the respect for money uh, in me. She had always wanted you know, us to learn and have a respect for money because she was the church treasurer. And I can tell I tell this story. My grandmother um, would bring the money home, Larry, uh, the church money home, and we would she would lay it over over the bed. And of course, you know, with pennies and uh, nickels and quarters. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm dating myself because you know what um, the the wrappers, the, what you used to wrap the coins with. Yes, some of, some of the audience, Larry, <laughs> some of the audience may not well. know, but. <laughs> And so that was my job. That was my job, um, me and my cousins, at the early age of five and six. And, Larry, what I would do as, as a young, you know, five and six-year-old, I would get in the bed and just roll in the money. And, uh, of course, the money would stick to my clothes. But I knew that I had to make sure I'm shaking myself off really, really good because that was the church's money. And my grandmother, it was the rule of the house. You know, you did not. Uh, touch mess with the church, the church money. money. <laughs> yeah. And so, greater so we Deva, had to account for all the money. Deva, you were a money magnet back then. <laughs> back, you know, but it was the respect <laughs> of it. And I, I think, you know, let me tell you this, and I'm glad you said this, because what comes to you is what you respect. Uh-huh. So That's if you don't respect it, you can't wish and pray to obtain it. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was, it was the respect of it back then. Talked by my grandmother, who is, um, like I said, my been my business partner. We started uh, our healthcare agency together, and she was the first accountant and all that good stuff. But it was, it was just from the love of my grandmother, and our uh, now we have our family businesses. And KG, I, I have to share. They they took me in <laughs> when I was not sure my own way to walk. And Diva would look out. She said, "Boy, come in." Come over to the come over to the office. Sit down and, and would stay with make me stay two three hours. Would pray over me because she knew I had a spirit that was wandering all over the place. She said, "Larry, we love you here, but I need you to come over and just spend some time. Sit up under me for a minute." Almost every Tuesday or Wednesday, I was at the facility. I didn't have a job, but she kept me out of trouble. She kept me out of trouble. Diva, uh, when I used to, when I had the show Access Houston, when mm-hmm. you were a guest on uh, many times for many years, um, yes. that 
that story and and you saying respect the money, you know, I would uh, and I told you this. I, I I always ask financial people that I had on the show where the responsibility lied when it came to financial uh, education and and responsibility. Yeah. You know, and and all of that. I was like, you know, should it be at home or should the schools be responsible? So they really didn't teach mm-hmm. us at school. And um, Deaver gave the best out of all the money people that I have talked to. Sure. And ask that question, because that's my signature question to money people. Deaver Daughtry's answer is the best. And it was the story of her grandmother being Mm -hmm. the treasury at the church. And she was like, you have to respect Respect the money, money, sir. Respect the money. That's the best answer anyone has ever gave, Deaver. You still hold that. You hold that to (laughs) Real simple. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether you are a... You know, hundredaire, thousandaire, millionaire, billionaire. If you don't have any respect for it, and especially in these times and this season, you know, the individuals who have respected the money in the past, they're going to be able to move forward and see some opportunities in the future. Mm -hmm. But you have to, you know, it starts with the boundaries and it starts with you understanding, you know, uh, what the purpose of money is and, you know, to, to help and to give back and, you know, all the, the, the tools that you can do with it. But it starts from the, really, it starts from the heart. And that's what my grandmother, I, I was able to see her be that example for our community. And, you know, uh, hundreds of people would come to her house. And, you know, she didn't have a lot of money, but what she had, she was able to make it work. Mm-hmm. And um, so just, just a lesson that... You know, I always try to instill in everyone that I come across who wants to talk about money because it's the respect of it. So, Deva, fast, fast forward, uh, bring us up to speed on TWEF and, and what's new and good and exciting today. Well, you know what? Like I said, Larry, the great thing is, out of, you know, going on 18 years, um, TWF has been able to meet the needs of the community. And always, you know, my heart is to be a voice to the voiceless. And in this particular time, when we're dealing with COVID-19, the voice that's needed to be heard is the elderly and the frail. Mm. We have to speak up on their behalf. You know, all of us have, you know, grandparents or had grandparents or have that, that person in your life that acts as a grandparent. Uh, you know, we have the mud deers or the demas or the grannies. And um, those are the vulnerable, the most vulnerable population that immune system mm-hmm. uh, is vulnerable and need to be guarded. Mm-hmm. And I get it. You know, um, I, I take care of my grandmother right now. And we have a lot of young people that used to come in and give her hugs and kisses and, you know, and and, and want to love on her. But at this particular time, because we have to practice social distancing, we, it's it's a different, it's a different place. Mm -hmm. And so what we want to do and what we're, we're campaigning and preparing everyone for is to not to do our norm, but to keep our elderly people safe. You know, and it's a way, I heard you speak earlier about washing your hands, you know, and, and, and the social distancing with our grandparents. Mm-hmm. I, um, 
my, my health care company. Um, I've been doing this for 25 years, taking care of the elderly. And I'm seeing firsthand, because my team is on the uh, front line, going into the home, providing home care for the elderly. And, you know, you see individuals who would in and out without washing their hands, without the social distancing, you know, not acknowledging, you know, okay, if they have been around other people. And because, you know, you could be okay, but, you know, that, that elderly person, immune systems can't fight back like, you know, someone else can. And so, so that's why we have to be, be the voice. We have to be the voice, voice for older people and for our jewels, our pearls, our pearls of wisdom. And, uh, and, and they need someone to speak up for them. And so that's what TWS is doing. Is there a study guide uh, with the foundation that someone could go to who's listening to the podcast today to pick up on some of these things? Or do we just need to, to add some more responsibility to those of us who have seniors or elders in our home to just be more responsible? You know, and, and Larry, that's, 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 that's where we are. You know, this is a new deal. Mm-hmm. And everybody, you know, all the doctors, and I appreciate all everybody who's on the front line working, and uh, you know, we're trying to figure this out. So we don't have, um, you know, we don't we don't have a uh, a map to say this is what we need to do. Okay. Uh, that's why I was so dear on my heart to uh, speak up for our frail and elderly uh, uh, community, the population, the voice uh, that needs to be heard. It needs to go out and say, hey, I, I need you to um, social distance yourself from me um, because, you know, my immune system is, is different than yours. And so um, I know on the website, you know, we are gathering information mm-hmm. and um, on, on TWS website, we're gathering information to put out there. But basically, it's just something that everybody can do. And we're making special provisions for those beautiful jewels and pearls of wisdom that have, you know, given their lives for us. And now we have to fight for them by doing what we need to do to help fight the coronavirus. Someone on the, on the podcast uh, listening right now, your words have, have, have enlightened them, probably moved them to organize. We need to do this to take care of the jewels of the community. I mean, and it just yeah. goes, it all works together. Mm-hmm. That's why uh, in the beginning, I was so frustrated with younger people who weren't taking this thing Correct. seriously. And it was just like, okay, well, if you care about your grandmama or your granddaddy, you will stay at home because the issue is one, we don't know who's infected. We don't even have right. enough tests to test people to know who's infected. So even though you, you, you one of the young invincibles, you're going around here and you may feel fine. You could be infected and you don't feel nothing. And you go over grandma or granddad's house and then you end up infecting them. them right. And then they end up getting really sick because you being a bonehead and not staying at home and still wanting to be around. So, I mean, the best thing to do is to, of course, follow the guidelines and even though it's tough i mean uh Anka and i we were talking you know off air about how 
we're missing the human touch. Like oh if, if it's the one thing that I'm missing, it is just yeah. that to go, yeah. you know, see other people and, you know, hug on them and touch them and, and all of that. So now with social distancing and all that, but we see that it's working. Right. And if we continue to do what we have to do, I believe that we will beat this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what we need. We need you, KG. We need you, Larry, out there reminding everyone to think about the elderly people. Think about the frail. Think about, you know, the, the ones who cannot speak up for themselves and don't have the platform. You know, my grandmother don't have a podcast. She don't have a blog page, right. you know. But she needs a voice out there to say, hey, we matter. You know, our seniors matter. Mm. And that's what TWS is doing. We're, we're letting people know that our precious jewels, the seniors, the ones that have given to us all so unselfishly, that the seniors and the elderly matter. So we have to take care of them by doing what we're supposed to be, washing our hands, cover our mouths if we cough, sneeze, you know, with tissue, avoid touching our eyes, and you know, don't get close to, you know, the social distancing. Right. Making sure you disinfect all your surfaces around them. If you're living in a house with granny or, or your grandpa or any elderly person, making sure that you disinfect. Take care of yourself, and that's going to help you take care of them. And so, and since you're an advocate before this, before we get out of here, I am very interested to know, since you are a money woman and you're an advocate for the elderly and care about them, what were your thoughts when the Trump administration and even the lieutenant governor here in Texas uh, were running with the narrative that the elderly would be willing to sacrifice themselves and their lives for their children and grandchildren so the American economy could get back afloat? <laughs> Mary, go ahead, tell him. <laughs> Let him know. <laughs> you know, you know. I, I have been called uh, uh, several things, and uh, hopefully, a lot of them is good. But one of the things I'm known for is being a businesswoman with a soul. Mm -hmm. And a soul, and, and this is some of my international uh, uh, colleagues. You know, they, they you know, uh, call me the businesswoman with a soul. That's, and that's really the heart. And so when I, when I hear statements like that, I'm not surprised. Because when you're around enough of these people, you know, you understand that there's not too many of us who are really in the trenches, who are really, you know, in the grassroots. You know, most of them, you know, they're hiding out. They're not out advocating for anybody. Mm -hmm. So I get it. Because that's where they are. And, that's a and what I, I have learned, what I have learned is that people can only say and do with whatever capacity, with the capacity that they have. And so when I heard those statements, I, I just know that, you know, we, the ones of us who know better and that need to do better and can do better, we need to lend our voices because that was ultimately ridiculous. Um, to want to throw anyone away uh, for the sake of capitalism. Mm. And that's really what it is, you know. Yeah. Very, very, very unfortunate. But thank God that we have individuals like yourself and KG and myself and, uh, of course, um, our mayor, I, I, I like to call him the people's mayor mm -hmm. because he's a mayor for the people. 
And our city is so blessed to have the leadership of Lena Hidalgo and all uh, Congresswoman Jackson Lee and Al Green because uh, we need individuals that care about the people. KG and I said, if if you had to find what a leader looked like, you could see in Sylvester Turner, in Sheila Jackson Lee, mm-hmm. and in Judge Hidalgo, the face of what I believe true leadership, Governor Cuomo in New York, really looks like. These people have diff- difficult decisions to make, but they make it with compassion. They have compassion yeah. for fellow human beings, not just Americans, but fellow human beings. So... Um, we applaud you, Deva. I don't know if we got the website in because I'd like for people to visit to see what you are doing. Did we give you a website? And your social. Yeah, the website is twef.org. Twef.org, and they can see all the different programs uh, that TWF is doing, and then of course get more information on our elderly and frail uh, campaign, the Voice of the Voiceless. And we'll leave it right there. That's what's Deidre, thank you so much for being on the Public Affairs Podcast. Well, thank you, uh, gentlemen. And I know that uh, together we serve, and together we'll make a difference, and together we'll make an impact. Thank you, Deidre, and thank you for listening to the Public Affairs Podcast. We'll be back next week. <laughs>